0: Good, good. Y'all doing well? Merry Christmas. Oh, this is so fun to have our very first Christmas Eve service at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. Um, on behalf of my wife, Leah, as she already said hello, and Kennedy and Caleb, hey guys, uh, we just want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. And um, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? Pretty amazing year. Um, You know, it was in January that my wife and I came down for a week from Santa Barbara to spend time in Palos Verdes, praying over this place as to whether we would move here to start a church. And God did an amazing thing during that week, just confirming in our hearts that this is what was going to happen. And then March came, and uh, with that came a pandemic, and we all wrestled with whether we should move forward in these plans or not. And God told us to keep going. He, we took a step of faith and we moved our family down here in May and started the journey of planting this church. Um, it was on July 1st that uh, a good friend of mine, Steve right over there, sent a text message over to my fellow pastor now, Rob Orr, that we should uh, check out this place, this building we're in right now, as to whether we should... Uh, maybe use it to start our church. And um, basically over the course of a couple of months, God did an amazing work of uniting what was Life on the Hill Church with this new church plant of Calvary Chapel, Palace Verdes. And on September 27th, by the goodness of God, we had our first Sunday together. And uh, a lot of you guys have been with us since that point. And uh, just looking out, seeing all these faces and all this new family. Um, has been amazing. I mean, new family, new life. I look over at Tyler, one of the first people to receive Christ here at this church. And so, just so thankful, yeah, for what God has done in our midst. And so, um, a lot of people to thank. Eric, do you think you could adjust, feels like I'm in a tin can. Does it feel like I'm in a tin can, or do I just feel like I'm in a tin can? Is there any way that we could adjust that? Mike, Mike, everybody say, thank you, Mike, because it does just maybe take out a little bit of the gain or something. I don't know. I don't know what to do for sound. I just know that I sound like I'm in a tunnel, and that's hard to think and talk while you sound like you're in a tunnel. How are we doing? Is that better? Oh, that's so much better. I love it. Keep it going. Keep it moving. Yes. No more tunnel. I'm out of the tunnel. (laughs) Welcome. Merry Christmas. All right. We're good. Thanks, Mike. Sweet. Well, if you guys have been with us in this new journey as a new church plant, you guys have heard me say things often like bring the real you to the real Jesus or, you know, the vision of this church is to know Jesus and to be known by Jesus And so, man, I can't think of a better way to spend this Christmas Eve than just to talk about Jesus. And so, that's what we're going to do for a little while. You guys good with that? Let's just talk about Jesus today. So, Jesus is the head of this church. He's in charge of this church. Not me, not Rob, not Ben, not Ben Kai, not any of us. Jesus is the head of this church. He reigns supreme over all creation. He is the one who left heaven and draped himself in humanity. That's why we're here today today celebrating this Christmas Eve. He's the one that lived among us and died for us. He's the one that conquered sin, death, and the devil and makes us who believe in him more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Can we just say amen for Jesus? Yes. So we're going to talk today about the real Jesus, who he is and what he has done for humanity because if I think of what has been the end of a very interesting year, I would say that more than anything, what this world needs right now is a little bit of hope. It's a, a little bit of comfort in the promise that there is a God that knows us and that there is a God who is in control over all creation, and that is Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about three simple points about Jesus and we're going to look at three scriptures to do that. We're going to see that Jesus is God from John chapter 1. We're going to see that Jesus is man from 1 John chapter 1, and then we're going to see that Jesus is knowable from Colossians chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, put like three fingers in each of those books if you want, or you can uh, open your Bible app. We have around the service, um, a QR code that you can scan, and it'll pull up the Bible for you. So, Jesus is God, Jesus is man, and Jesus, Jesus is noble. And so, to begin, we're going to look at John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 and going to verse 4. Let me read that for us. Let me, let me pray for us before we read God's Word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive And God, that you left heaven and came to earth and you lived and you died so that you could live again and so that we might have eternal life through you. God, I ask that you would speak to us now by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So John chapter 1 begins in this way by using those words in the beginning, which should draw your mind back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that have the very same words, in the beginning. And those words are meant to strike a chord with us in the sense that there is a beginning of time, and that we as creatures have not always existed, but there is one who has always existed, and that is the creator. And John is proclaiming that Jesus is that creator, that he is God. In verses 1 and 2, it speaks about his place in time, that Jesus is eternal. In verse 3, it speaks of his work, that Jesus is a creator, And then verse 4 speaks of his nature, that Jesus is life. And so if you read John's gospel, what it's going to do for you is it's going to emphasize the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is God, that he is our eternal creator, the maker and the giver of life. And that God was sent to earth as a man, and that man who we call Jesus, we believe him to be God and he proved this, and and a lot of people question how this is possible. How is it possible that the infinite would become finite, that the immortal would become mortal, that the sinless one would take on sin at a cross, that God would become a man? Because doesn't it sound a little audacious, that God, I mean, I think in general, everyone not everybody, but a lot of people have this general sense, okay, there's something beyond us. Ecclesiastes says that there is eternity set within our hearts, that there's like a God-shaped hole within us that says there's something more beyond myself. But the fact that this God would become a man and that this would shape all of reality, and so While John's Gospel begins by emphasizing the deed of Jesus, if you go to the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it'll emphasize the humanity of Jesus. And both are important, and both we're going to talk about today. You see, because the humanity of Jesus tells us that this God, whom we love and serve, actually came and lived among people. In real time, in real space, with real people, in real history, that this is a historical fact that God became a man. If you even search outside of the sources of scripture, you will come to find out that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth that walked among the earth. Even people that don't believe Jesus to be God actually believe that there was a man named Jesus that lived nearly 2,000 years ago, and that he even went to a cross. And we believe this Jesus to be the Messiah, There were people in the scriptures that were waiting for him. Uh, We think of Simeon and Anna, uh, of the Magi, even creation itself that waited for this Messiah that would come. And then we see that Jesus did come, that he did become a man and he proved himself to be God. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in here today, and maybe you've come and... You're maybe even wondering why you've come. Maybe it's to appease a family member. They've invited you to be here today, and you're not so sure why you're here, except that you just want to make that person happy. And I just say, you know, good for you. Bless you to make that family member of yours happy. Maybe it's that you saw some ad online. Maybe my uh, seven year old daughter passed a flyer out to you on the Esplanade this morning. I don't know. But if you're here this morning, and if you don't, believe that jesus is god you're not so sure about this claim that i'm making that jesus is god can i just challenge you or maybe encourage you in something really quick if you were to give an honest look at the gospel of john it is a book found in the bible Um, It takes about two hours to read, and the best part is, if you don't like reading, you can download all kinds of apps, and somebody else will read it to you, and the best part is that you can choose whatever accent you want it to be read in. I mean, that's technology today. I just challenge you and strongly encourage you that if you don't believe yet this claim that Jesus is God, would you give an honest and real look at the Gospel of John and consider the claim? That Jesus is God. I was just talking to uh, a woman who's been coming to our church, and her she moved here to the United States with her daughter, just her and her daughter. And they were living in a small apartment, and her daughter, the only school that she could get her into was a small Lutheran Christian school. And the daughter came home saying, "Hey, mom, Jesus is God." She's like, "What are they teaching my daughter at this school?" And so for about a year, in her small apartment, she grabbed a Bible, and she read from cover to cover through the Bible, and she believes the claim that Jesus is God. See, because Scripture will testify to you that it is true that God actually became a man. Now, maybe that's not enough for you. Maybe you need some other way, some other Convincing way that you would know Jesus is actually God. And I'll just tell you, there's a lot of ways that God has revealed Himself. But the best way that God has revealed Himself to humanity is by sending His Son to earth to live among us. There's no better way that He could possibly show you that He loves you and that He's real than God taking on flesh and living among humanity. And that is recorded for us in scriptures if you want to read it. Now, God has a plan, and God has always had a plan. Now, I'm going to tell you something that might make you really comfortable, or it might make you uncomfortable, is that you might not know why you're here today, but God knows why you're here today. And God actually planned on you being here today. And maybe you're here, you're like, yeah, well, I also planned on being here. I really love Christmas Eve, and I go to church every week, and so I'm here because I worship Jesus. But maybe you're here And you don't go to church every week. Maybe it's because uh, you only go to church maybe on the two major Christian holidays, Christmas and Easter. Maybe it's you're here with a friend and somebody's invited you, and and that's good. I'm not gonna list all the reasons for why you're possibly here today except just to tell you God knows that you're here right now. And since you're here right now, God wants to speak to you. That God has been speaking throughout all history about his son Jesus. And right now, he's here to tell you that he loves you and that he has a plan for your life. Because you see in the Old Testament that was written even before Jesus came, there were 400 prophecies saying that this was gonna happen, that a Messiah would come. And when he came, some people received him and some people rejected him. And that's still the case to this day. But this whole idea of God becoming a man, that, that is a stumbling block for some people. Some people can't wrap their minds around the fact that God would become a man taking on flesh and blood just like you and I have. But that's what God wanted to do. I was talking to Rob recently and he told me, you know, the whole thing about John, the word that you'll find often repeated throughout this book is the word sent. God sent his son, and the reason why he sent his son is because he wanted to make a connection from the physical to the spiritual. He wants to make a connection from the temporal to the eternal, and so what God did is the spiritual one and the eternal one took on a physical body and lived in temporal time. God is the one who came to man. He bridged the gap for us. We don't try to reach him. He has always tried to reach us now when jesus finished his or when jesus began his ministry he called disciples to himself one of those disciples was john john was the guy that wrote the gospel of john which we just read from now we're going to turn to first john chapter one now in john's gospel he's emphasizing his deity right In 1 John, he's going to emphasize his humanity. Starting with those very same words, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Notice that what he's doing again, he's drawing our minds back to the beginning where we're trying to remember that, okay, the one we're talking about is the eternal one, the creator of the universe, except he says, yeah, I'm talking about the one from the beginning. I'm talking about the eternal one. However, I saw him with my eyes, I heard him with my ears, I touched him with my hands concerning the word of life. He's saying, life was manifest to us. That which was hidden has now been revealed. God has been revealed to me. I have seen life, I have heard life, and I have touched life. John is saying that I actually lived among the full embodiment of life itself. You remember what Jesus said in John 14, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the actual embodiment, manifestation of life itself. And John says, I saw him, I testify to him, and I proclaim him to you, that Jesus is life. Therefore, it is through Jesus, the son of the Father's love, in whom we find life. If if Jesus is the actual embodiment of life, then this, this is what, matters right here ready if jesus is the actual embodiment of life and that he's from the beginning of time don't you think that it's through him that we would receive life if he's the god that from the dust was able to breathe life into our nostrils by the breath of his life he's also the one who breathes eternal life into us by the spirit of god that god is the one who gives eternal life that jesus is both the giver and the gift of life. And we've been living in a year where everybody, all of humanity, has been living desperately to preserve life, right? Humanity has been living this entire year desperately trying to preserve life. But Jesus is the creator. He is the giver and the gift of life itself. He is life. And so though we might perish from this physical body, Jesus has offered us something so much greater, spiritual life, so that when we put off mortality, we will put on immortality. When we put off this finite, we will put on that infinite we will put on exactly what he is that if we have died with jesus we will also be raised with jesus what he is saying is that in him we have life and now the last scripture that we're going to look at is colossians chapter 1 verse 3 and this was written by a guy named the apostle paul who came to faith later in life after jesus had been risen from the dead after his disciples had already seen jesus gone back into heaven he was actually one who was persecuting Christians, uh, sentencing, sentencing them to prison, even killing Christians, and then Jesus confronted him on a road, and he turned to believe in Jesus and became an apostle. And Paul wrote in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And this verse is so important because what it tells us Is that Jesus makes God knowable? I mean, He's God, great. That's for some people the hardest one to grasp. He's also man. For others, that's the harder one to grasp that God would become a man. For many, it's hard to grasp how God can be both God and man at the same time, and I guess He's God, so He can do that. but did you know that God is knowable? And it's Jesus who has made God knowable to us, because when it says that he is the image of the invisible God, what that is saying is that Jesus has perfectly revealed God to us. That when Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and lived a perfect life, and died a perfect death, he perfectly represented God to us that when you see Jesus, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read of the words and the witness and the testimony and the actions of Jesus, you will see what God is like. So when you see that Jesus is merciful, it tells you God is merciful. When you see Jesus being patient and kind towards children, it tells you that God is patient and kind towards children. Anything that you see Jesus do in the Gospels, it tells you that that is what God is like. He is the image of the invisible God. The one that we could not see and would be unable to see or else we would die in his presence, God revealed through his son Jesus by coming forth as a man. Which means this, you guys, that what we do with Jesus has eternal ramifications. That what we say about Jesus, who he is and what what he has done, matters eternally. It, It will determine the destiny of your life after you breathe your last breath. Again, we've been living a whole year desperately seeking to preserve life And Jesus has been desperately seeking humanity to give abundant life. And he offers it to you freely. Now, as we come to an end, I'm gonna have my fellow pastor and friend, Rob, come up here. It was 35 years ago at a Christmas Eve service, very similar to what we're doing right here, that Rob received the gift of eternal life through Jesus. And he's gonna share his testimony with you. Yeah, thank you,
1: Daniel. Well, this is a special evening, not just because it commemorates the um, coming of our Lord Jesus to earth, but it is my 35th spiritual birthday. It commemorates the time he came into my life, and, and I received the greatest gift ever given. So I just wanted to take a few minutes to share that with you. For those of you that are believers, it'll hopefully remind you of that time in your life. For those of you that are not, I'd urge you to listen very carefully, because this could be a, a night for that same thing to happen to you. So I was raised in a um, pretty much a church going home. It wasn't a church that proclaimed Jesus like we're blessed to have here. Uh, I never really heard that I was a sinner or that I was in need of a savior. I heard a lot of uh, social gospel messages in the 60s. But I did go to church every Sunday. I was raised in a fairly moralistic home, but again, not connected to Christ. And by the time I graduated from high school, I I could— probably knew the names of all the books of the Bible but I, I didn't really know what was in them and I still didn't have any clue who Jesus was or why he was so important. Uh, I went off to college and like any uh, one who doesn't know the Lord at college I lived like an unsaved person did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. Uh, God mercifully protected me uh, from any serious trouble and thankfully uh, three months before I graduated introduced me to Janet who's been my wife of 42 years ever since and um, I went off to, call, uh, while I was at college at UC Irvine, I used to encounter the Campus Crusade people on campus all the time, and, and you know, I thought, I just thought they were crazy. I, I'm, I thought I believed in God. I mean, I lived in America. I wasn't Muslim or Jewish or Buddhist, and I went to church a lot, and you know, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian. Uh, I believe in God. What's so important about Jesus? And I would literally pick out these guys and go argue with them when I would see them somewhere on campus. And it's going to be fun someday to meet them in heaven, and they're going to go, "You, you're, you're here. You, <laughs> you actually came." Um, and so I, you know, I went off to law school, and um, the same thing happened there. My my study partner in law school uh, turned out to be a Christian, and he used to invite me to these free lunches, and I was dirt poor, so I went for the free lunches, and only to find out that I had to listen to the gospel because they were put on by the Christian Legal Society. And I remember even walking out of one of those one time thinking, what's the big deal? I believe in God. I mean, what's this big deal about Jesus? And so I'd wanted to be a lawyer since I was in sixth grade. And I got out of law school, passed the bar, started a practice with a friend of mine. And it was really hard. I mean, the first five or six years, you don't make a lot of money. You're you're getting beat up in court all the time because you don't know the ropes as well as you should. And I was ready to quit. I was ready to give up my lifelong dream of being a lawyer. But I had a Bible from my earlier days. Never read it, but I had it. And I thought, you know, maybe there's some answers in here to to whatever's going on wrong with my life. Maybe I can find some peace in this book. So like the woman that Daniel mentioned a few moments ago, I committed to read the entire Bible, also in a year, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, and it was literally all Greek and Hebrew to me, or it might as well have been, because I really didn't understand any of it even though I had a college degree, a law degree. That's not what it takes to understand the Bible. It, it takes Jesus. And I didn't have him yet, so I didn't really understand it. But one thing I did understand in the Old Testament, and I had a lot of Jewish friends that I'd learned this from as well, God, it, God does say, Hear, o Israel, the Lord thy God thy God is one. And I thought, okay, how can God be one, and yet who's this guy Jesus? I kept running across in the New Testament, literally stumbling over him, as Daniel mentioned earlier i couldn't figure out how come when he speaks does do the words that come out of his mouth sound like he kind of wrote the old testament because it lines up with that and and who is jesus and i was perplexed and twisted up by that for for many many months and then christmas eve we were in san diego visiting my parents and at that time in our lives we were only going to church christmas and easter and we randomly picked a, a downtown san diego church i'd never been to before my parents had never been and we went there for a One of those old-fashioned Christmas Eve services that are start at 10 o'clock and you leave and you you carry candles and walk out and all that stuff. And I remember standing in line to get in, and this thing is always on my mind, who is Jesus, who is Jesus? And the usher was handing out the worship folders, and he hands me the worship folder, and I look at it, and the title of the message is, Who is Jesus? And I'm thinking, man, this is like a twilight moment. I mean, I've been wrestling with this, and now this guy's going to talk about it. And the verse was Colossians 1.15, the one that Daniel Uh, just mentioned. And as the pastor preached, he laid out, like Daniel has laid out this afternoon, that Jesus is God. And it was a, a very Calvinistic method of salvation. There was no altar call, but the Holy Spirit so deeply convicted me that night in the pew that, oh my gosh, I think I believe in God, but I've been rejecting Jesus all my life, and he is God. I'm toast. I got a big problem here. And so there in my own way that night in the pew, I repented of that sin. I confessed that sin of having rejected Jesus and asked him into my life, asked him for for forgiveness. And uh, my life has never been the same. It hasn't been perfect, of course. All kinds of things happen to you even after you receive Christ. But he's walked with me um, through all those things. And the next day, um, Christmas morning, I started to read my Bible again. You know what? It made sense. (laughs) It all made sense. Because now I had received that thing that this whole book is all about is Jesus Christ uh, as our Lord and Savior. So I would encourage any of you that are out there that may have a, a similar reservation of who is Jesus, recognize that he is God. Just accept that truth and, and, and accept him as your Lord and Savior, uh, and he will do all the rest for you. Amen? Thanks, Rob. You know,
0: so encouraging and John writes later in 1 John chapter 5, he says, if we receive the testimony of men, which we just did. You know, we just heard Rob's testimony, what he said about his experience with the real Jesus. Um, He says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has given concerning his Son.'" Says, whoever does not believe God about the testimony is given concerning His Son, that uh, that in His Son there is life. Basically, calling God a liar. You know, it'd be like me standing up here and talking to Rob and be like, "Wow, Rob, great story, nice testimony, but I think you're lying to me." Like no one would probably do that to rob and maybe you think he might just be out of his mind but there's enough people in the world who have believed in jesus we can't all be out of our minds maybe you know a christian you know that there's something different about them you know their testimony of who they used to be but then once they receive jesus who they've become And if you can receive the testimony of man, it says that the testimony of God is greater. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. doesn't take any interpretive skill to know what that's saying. It just says, if you have Jesus you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't really have life. You can live life, but all that it is is here and now desperately seeking to preserve it. But no matter what you do, you can't preserve life. It has to be given as a gift. And thanks be to God, he's given it to us eternally through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray as we continue now singing worship to you, I pray for those who do believe in you, Lord, that life, that abundant life would well up within them, that there would just be a real joy and peace that comes to them knowing that in you they have life in this season. This has been a weird year, Lord, but thank you that we have in you the gift of life. God, if there's anyone here this afternoon who has yet to put their trust in you, Jesus, and maybe right now they're ready, right now in this service, to do that, to say, I believe that I am a sinner and that Jesus left heaven and came to earth to die on a cross for my sin and that he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead, proving that he is God, proving that he has life in himself. God, I pray if anyone here right now wants to receive that gift of life, it's freely given, nothing that they do to earn it, they just ask for it and you give it. God, I pray you would, by your spirit, move upon them right now to receive that gift there's anyone here this afternoon who would like to receive Jesus as a gift of eternal life I'd love to be able to pray with you if you want to just raise your hand just above your head so that we know that we could talk to you and pray with you and really the most important thing is give you a bible today so that you can read about this God who loves you and maybe it's not even that you're ready to receive him today but you're actually just willing to say you know what I'll take your challenge, Daniel. I'll read the Gospel of John. I'll give it an honest look. And if if that's you and you just want to say, you know what, I'll do that. I'll give an honest look at the whole Gospel of John. Would you raise your hand just so that after service, I know that I can come and hand you a Bible and just give that to you as a gift today. Praise the Lord.